Friday, September 11th, 2020, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer, Hoynesy. Third night in a row, the Indians uh, can can say they did not necessarily turn in their best effort at the ballpark uh, against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Rookie Brady Singer uh, just really dominated them through seven and two-thirds innings of no-hit uh, baseball, and uh, it was Austin Hedges who broke through, got a base hit in the eighth inning, uh, you know, saved the Indians from further embarrassment, um, but the, the final score was pretty indicative of what the game was. It was just total domination by the Royals, who go on to win 11-1, uh, to and really the, the Indians now drop into th- in a game and a half back of Chicago in third place in the American League Central Division uh, behind Minnesota, where they start a three-game weekend series uh, tonight. Uh, just just not a lot of energy, not a lot of enthusiasm, and not a lot of hope right now around this Indians team. Yeah, they, uh, you know, 20 games in which they've scored two or fewer runs, Joe. They're 5-15 and 15 in those games. Um, you know, and, you know, Gabe Paul used to say this a long, long time ago. When you don't hit, you look flat. And they haven't hit. They look flat. They're making errors. Um, they just uh, it just looks like they've hit a lull at the at a really a bad time for in a short season. Um, uh, I I don't know if it's you know if uh, you know Sandy Alomar has has run out of magic dust or uh, they need Tito back. Uh, but it is. Uh, they're coming into a big, big series, eh? and they, they've got to score to beat the Twins. They're not going to beat the Twins. Well, I mean, Beaver beat them 2 nothing, but I don't think they're gonna, there's going to be many uh, one-run games, you know, two to, two to one, one to nothing, three to two games with those guys. Right, and uh, you, you bring up Sandy Alomar. You mentioned uh, uh, Terry Francona uh, continues to, to recover and, and still be away from the team. Uh, is, is that maybe something they can point to as a – a potential, you know, getting Tito back might inject some life into this team, but you've, you've only got, you know, 16 games left on the schedule. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, uh, I think it would it help? Yes, I think would it would would it be nice uh, for the coaching staff to go back to their normal roles? Yes, but uh, I think what they're 18 and 11, 18 and 12 under Sandy. Um, so I mean. 18 and 18 and 12. So, I mean, I think obviously he's managed more games than Tito. So, um, uh, I don't, you know, I think, I I think that would help, but I think there's more, there's a bigger concern here that the Indians have not hit for, you know, the entire uh, 60 game sprint or it just, you know, this isn't something that happened overnight and, you know, they trade one of their best pitchers in Clevenger and they don't get a bat back. Uh, they get uh, Josh Naylor back and, you know, God love Josh Naylor. I, I mean, maybe he's a great player and maybe he'll be a great player in two years, but, but right now, you know, is there a big difference between, uh, you know, Tyler Naquin and, 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 and Josh Naylor? Is there a big difference between, you know, Greg Allen who got traded uh, in, in the, uh, in the, uh, you know, the Clevenger deal and, and Naylor, I, I haven't seen it. Right. I mean, so 
it, it seems it seems like uh, the Josh Naylor outfielder is like a dime a dozen for the Indians uh, that they have. They've got they've, ten of them. You know, right, they've exactly. got a bunch of guys just like them. So uh, I mean, if if this guy was the bat they were looking for, you know, God help us. You know, so uh, you know they're they're just gonna they're gonna have to you know they need they need the middle of the lineup. They need you know production from the top of that order. You know that was the whole key to this season, and. Uh, you know, they've gotten it in, in spurts and starts and spurts, but, uh, you know, they haven't gotten any consistency except from the leadoff hitter. Right. And the leadoff hitter is the, uh, the subject of a lot of debate and discussion uh, uh, today. As uh, Sandy Alomar was talking to Tom Hamilton on the pregame show on the radio yesterday and mentioned that uh, Francisco Lindor, who had moved to the, the number three spot at the beginning of the year, who had asked Terry Francona to move to that number three spot in order to give him an opportunity to drive in more runs? Well, he's hitting what a buck thirty-three right now, um, and is it, it, with runners in scoring position, a buck thirty-three uh, as the number three hitter. Uh, he's been there all season and hasn't hasn't been productive. Uh, Francona and and Lindor had discussed uh, a couple weeks ago, but the possibility of moving him back to the top of the order. But then uh, Frankie started to started to hit a little bit. He added about 50, 60 points to his batting uh, average, and it looked like things were going to be okay. So they decided to leave him there. Uh, is is it time to reopen that discussion or that conversation again? You know, I would have liked to see if they were going to do this. I would have liked to see him do it at the thirty game mark. You know, is 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 moving Lindor back to to this to the leadoff spot with sixteen games left? really going to turn this team around, you know, it, it would, I think, you know, based on what we've seen, Joe, yeah, I, I think, I don't know if it's going to turn it around, but it will give it a different look and right. maybe just maybe you kind of reignite that and you get, you know, Lindor to get his head out of the sand because I don't know about you, but he, he seems like a different player this whole year to me. Right. Um, and I, and, and, and just not from because he's not hitting. He just there's just something missing from his game, and uh, maybe this will get him back to you know to a more familiar environment, and you know he'll start to relax, and he, he won't have have the pressure of hitting guy with guys on base. Right, I and mean, it's, it's not so much as usual. Right, and it's not that he's not hitting. He does have 48 hits, and that leads the team uh, in in hits. Uh, he's tied with Framil Reyes for the most hits on the team. So it's not like he's not hitting. It's the situational aspect of it. It's the you're the number three hitter in the order, and you're not uh, hitting. You're not coming through when you're supposed to driving in runs, and that's that's what the big problem is right now with Francisco Lindor. Uh, and, and so the mental approach and that and the pressure aspect of it. If you put him back in that leadoff role where he's been comfortable, where he's been productive, uh, I, I think that might spark something. You can you can move. Cesar Hernandez down to the number two spot. Uh, if you're going to shake up the top of that lineup, I think in light of the Jose Ramirez thumb injury, I think the move that you need to make is take Fran Mil Reyes, who's not only been your, your only power threat throughout the season, but he's, he's also uh, he's tied with Lindor with 48 hits. And, and, you know, that's still good for uh, a top, you know what, top 20 in all of baseball uh, in total number of hits. Um, 
take Framil Reyes. Yes, he strikes out, but everybody strikes out, and, and this is baseball in 2020. That's part of the game. Put Framil Reyes as your number three hitter. Leave Carlos Santana as your number four. Drop Jose Ramirez and his sore thumb down to number five, and 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 see if that shakeup does anything for your offense, does anything for your lineup, and puts guys in roles where they feel more comfortable and can be more productive. Yeah, you know, I I, I like that idea. You know, I I kind of have a I'm I'm not sure if I want to break up that, you know, Santana Reyes kind of combination, but you know, Santana hasn't he stopped walking. You know, he mm-hmm. he has, he's not getting on base a whole lot lately he's, and he's struggling at the plate. Um, so maybe, maybe that would be, a, you know, maybe that would be a good, a good thing to just to shake it up and, and see what happens because what they're doing right now isn't working. Well, it's not, it, it's not going to be solved with a personnel change. These are the guys that you've gotten and there's, there's nobody waiting down in, uh, you know, Lake County to, to come up and just take the world by storm. Nolan Jones is still a year or two away. Uh, there, there's nobody who's going to come up here and just start hitting over the next 16 games. So it's not a personnel thing. So all you're left with is rearrange the order and see if it makes people more comfortable and more productive in, in you know, where they are. Uh, that, to me, is the only other choice you have. Uh, the, other, the other option is to leave things go the way they are and just hope and pray that somebody starts hitting or gets hot. And I, I, I really don't think that that's the, the wise baseball move at this point. Ter- Terry Francona is, uh, you know, you know, very fond of saying, well, I need a compelling reason to make a change like this. The compelling reason to make a change is you almost got no hit by a rookie last night. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good reason. And, you know, the, the postseason is guaranteed to no one here. Right. You know, they got 16 games and, you know, they've been playing pretty good baseball despite not hitting, but you got to get on your horse now. You know, this, this is not the time to uh, start patting yourself on the back and, uh, you know, cashing your uh, playoff checks. This is, this is time to play baseball. And, uh, you know, you know, Francona, uh, I think, you know, it, it's a weird situation. You know, maybe uh, Sandy would do this if he was a manager, maybe mm-hmm. he would make a move. But you, you, you know, he's the acting manager, so he's, you know, he's he's got to go through channels right now to do something. And and Tito is, as we know, is reluctant to make moves, but but he will make moves when when this when reason is right, and he will make moves. He'll always say, okay, if I if I put if I put uh, Lindor in the leadoff spot, who do I replace him with? And your take is you replace him with with Fran Mel Reyes, right? Right, you, you you move your other your other best hitter at the, at the time, you know, in up into that spot. Uh, they, they've got to, uh, forty eight total hits each. That's the tops on the team, and you know, among the best in baseball right now. Uh, you you've got to put a guy in that in that spot who gives you a chance to to drive in some runs, and and Reyes is a threat. Every you know, Reyes is still the guy, the only guy on the team besides Frankie right now. Who, who you sort of you want to see him get up to play, up to up to the plate because you want to see what he'll do next. There's always that potential that he'll hit a ball 460 feet and and you get to catch you get to see that. So I I just think you, you put your your biggest offensive threat in that number three spot and you you hope that Frankie's on base for him. Yeah, I you know I it's worth a try, Joe. It, it definitely is worth a try because. 
you know, they're pitching way too well to, uh, you know, to be struggling like this to score runs. And it just uh, puts an extra burden on the pitching staff. I mean, as when Savali gave up the three runs last night early, I mean, this thing was over. Felt you know, like the game was over. He gave up three runs in the third inning with two outs. You know, that's on Savali to do, you know, to, you know, not be able to close out the inning. But still, three runs is not a, a – you know, that's not Mount Suribachi. You know, you, you should be able to you should be able to dig out of that. So, always, always rely on Hoinsey for the World War II references uh, in our in our podcast. Really, really in touch and connected to the uh, to the audience and the uh, the the millennial the millennials dig those uh, those uh, you know uh, World War II references. I think that's great. Uh, all right, uh, let's uh, let's take a couple of questions really quickly from our uh, our subscribers on subtext and and our listeners. Uh, Hoinsey, what do you got for us? Okay, uh, James Hoyt is. Why did the Indians get rid of James Hoyt? He is definitely better than than uh, Dominic Leone. Leone pitches in low pressure situations and still has an ERA over eight. That is from. Uh, that is from, uh, I'm, I'm not sure who that, wait a minute here. <laughs> Tim Corbett from uh, Dana Point, California. Okay. Uh, Tim, uh, James Hoyt's uh, arm uh, didn't recover or respond uh, when they came back from uh, summer training camp, for, for summer training camp. Uh, he was, he was, had a dip in velocity. He was not, uh, you know, all there. His fastball didn't have any life on it. I, I think they, they noticed that, and, and James Hoyt, uh, you know, wasn't around uh, after – that, that's why they cut him was because his, yeah. his fastball just went away. And he, but he's, you know, revived himself. He's pitching very, very well in Miami for the Marlins. He went down there. You know, they DFA'd him, and then they traded him. Uh, and he's, he's got great numbers, Joe. So I, I don't know if they weren't patient enough with him, but they just – they did not think his arm was coming back. They did not have time to wait for him to work into his velocity. And, uh, you know, he got let go. I mean, uh, it happens. And, yeah. You know, good for James Hoyt. But, uh, you know, and, and hey, Dominic Leone, <laughs> I mean, until last night, he, he had pitched pretty, fairly well. He right. gives up the uh, three-run bomb to, uh, to uh, Franco with, uh, with two out again. How, how does a team score 11 runs with two outs, Joe? I... <sighs> All of, all of their runs came with two outs last night. That was... All of their runs, eleven of them. It's not like oh. there were three of them. I mean, okay. Uh, and and Mike and Michael Franco was one of those guys that the Indians, you know, might have considered for uh, uh, to to come over and and uh, replace Jason Kipnis as opposed to uh, Cesar Hernandez. I know they had liked Hernandez for a long time, but Michael Franco was also an option. And, yeah, and... they they were teammates, right in Philly. Right. So, you know. Who knows? Maybe the, the the answer to the Indians' offensive problems is playing third base for the uh, for the Royals. Here is uh, from Phil Haas from Marion, uh, Ohio. Uh, is is the constant loud piping crowd noise at Progressive Field as annoying at the ballpark as it is on t the TV and radio on, on TV and radio? Uh, I hardly even hear it in the press box, uh, to, to be honest. It doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of just like white noise to me now. I mean, yeah. it, it's, you know, it's kind of weird to uh, hear the chants for Jose, Jose, Jose. And, <laughs> and there's nobody there. 
and then, you know, there's a hit. There's, if there's a hit, you know, if the Indians get a hit or, and there's like a three-second pause and then you hear the cheer, you know, the, the crowd noise cheering. It's, it's, it's weird. It's just, it's just a weird environment down there. I don't know. I, I, I'll never get used to it, I don't think. But, yeah, it, feel, uh, it feels like a video game in that, in that aspect of, you know, something happens and then you hear the crowd noise on a, on a bit of a delay. It does feel sort of like playing like uh, RBA baseball or. That's or, a great point. I, you know. I was trying to I was trying to find the uh, a comparable a comp to that. Yeah, it, it is like a video game. Well, you know me, Hoinsey. I play so many video games. Uh, <laughs> no, you know I I'll go down the basement and I'll hear the uh, when my when my kids playing uh, Madden or whatever. I'll hear the 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 crowd on that, and that's what it sounds like to, to me. But honestly, I don't hear it from the press box as loud as as you would if you were in the stands or on yeah. the field, I think, because uh, they, the players will tell you that it's loud down there. It, it's just that, you know, and, and the weird thing is the players on the field will shout back and forth and we can hear them plain as day in the press box. Yeah. But, but they can't hear anything that we say down there. Right. And uh, yeah, you always hear like, there's like, the, I've never heard big league players cheer so much for each other. It's, it's really strange. It's, I've, I've never hear, heard grown adults curse as much as I have. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there have been some, some pretty epic F-bombs levied in, in during this season. And uh, what, what was with the, uh, the shouting last night with, uh, with Sandy and the, uh, I guess the, they didn't like the delay tactic after Singer gave up the, uh, the the base hit yeah they thought uh, that he was out there for more than 30 seconds and they kind of just you know gathered around him to congratulate him I guess but he thought the umpire should have gone out there and and broken it up uh, faster than he should have I don't know that's kind of sour grapes for me I mean the kid pitched a great game and he got a hit and okay you know he gets his moment and then let's go well, because I think part of it was the the Royals didn't have anybody up in the bullpen warming up. Right, that's so exactly yeah. So they couldn't pull the kid out. Uh, they were sort of delaying and trying to get somebody loose. And and Sandy's comment was, "Hey, it's not our uh, it's not our job to protect your pitchers. Let's get going, you know, and protect the pitcher in terms of letting the guy get enough to, time to warm up. But you know, if that means you have to bring somebody in cold, bring somebody in cold because the game's got to go, you know." Yeah, I wondered if they, if he would have got through the eighth, if he they would have let him uh, come out for the ninth. Lord, he would have been at 120 pitches. I know he was at like no. 116. That was I was I was kind of I was waiting for that that move, you know, not 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 to let him come out for the eighth. Well, we'll see on Sunday when Tristan McKenzie's going for a no hitter against the uh, Twins. <laughs> and, well, we know what's going to happen there. And he hits the 90 pitch plateau and uh, pitch <laughs> pitch 89. Sandy Alomar standing at the top dugout step. So. <laughs> All right, one more, one more, real quick. We'll get into. Oh, okay. I, I, or uh, I've, I've actually got, I've actually oh, got okay. one right here from. Uh, uh, this one is from a, a subtext subscriber in the two one six area code. Uh, if I were Sandy, I don't know if I would have used the leaky gas metaphor to describe my coaching stint if I wanted to be a manager someday. So uh, the uh, in the pregame, uh, Sandy said. The, uh, the what the season feels like to him is like a, a car that's leaking gas and they're heading down the highway and they they need to find a gas station so uh, everybody got a good chuckle out of the uh, out of the metaphor but uh, yeah I don't know if uh, if I'm looking for a uh, 
a, head, a, a managing job uh, somewhere down the line. I don't know if that's the, uh, the, the metaphor I want to be using if I'm Sandy Alomar. Yeah, but he was saying, like, the gas station is Terry Francona. You know, he was saying, you know, we need, we need him back. And I think, you know, I think uh, Sandy has approached this, this with a great attitude. I mean, he's just, uh, he kind of, I think, he, I, I honestly think he was surprised they asked him to manage. I guess they didn't have, you know, many choices. And, and he just, you know, he's kind of jumped into this thing and, and made the best of it. Uh, I think he was just having some fun uh, yesterday. But I'm, you know, uh, Jensen kind of locked him up when he, he said, have you come, have you, uh, Jensen Lewis, that is, uh, he asked Sandy in the pregame Zoom call if he had uh, experienced anything he didn't expect as, as managing <laughs> the club. And, and Sandy said that would take three hours <laughs> to answer that question. I thought that was a great, uh, you know, it, it reminded me, uh, Joe, there used to be uh, when uh, – when, when Hargrove was managing the Indians, there was a picture in his office of this old uh, cowboy, kind of this, uh, kind of like, a tr tr you know, kind of a cowboy just coming off a, a cattle drive. He looked all beat up and, you know, his hat was all bent up. And uh, there was a caption, there was a caption under the picture. It, it said, they didn't tell me everything about this job before I, before I took it. That's what reminded me of. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, for, for what it's worth, and for, I, I personally, I think Sandy Alomar has handled everything this season about as well as could be expected. Uh, uh, but it will be great to get Terry Francona back. I, I just sort of, I, I look forward to, uh, Francona's interactions with us on, on the Zoom calls and in the, the pregame and the postgame uh, press conferences just, you know, it, it, it makes you feel kind of kind of safe, like everything's going to be okay when, when Tito's Yeah, he's there been talking. through everything, you know. He's, he knows, you know, going, what going down the stretch is like, and he knows what, coming back from 3-0-3 and, you know, coming, going to the, getting to the World Series with two starting pitchers. You know, you, there's no uh, – you can't, you can't put a value, you can't put a dollar sign on that experience. And I think that, you know, that, uh, that radiates into the rest of the club. You know, the All rest right. of the players pick that up. All right. Well, tonight uh, the Indians open a three-game series in Minnesota. Shane Bieber on the mound versus Kent Maeda. Pretty much a prime pitching matchup right there. Uh, what do we have to look forward to this weekend uh, in 60 seconds or less? Yeah, Maeda has been – he's done great against the Indians. What, 2-0? I think and they haven't hit a ball hard off this guy. They maybe scored one run. Uh, Bieber, uh, you know, he's, he's the best the Indians got, maybe the best in the league, maybe best of all in baseball right now. Uh, this is a game they got to win. They can't they, – they, I think they have to win this game. They, they, they if, can't screw around. They got to score some runs. They got to find a way to, uh, you know, score some runs against Maeda and uh, – They've got to find a way to, uh, you know, play better defense and look, you know, just kind of shift it into another gear here. Right. If Shane Bieber goes out and dominates tonight, uh, does he lock up the Cy Young award? I think he's right there, Joe. I, I, I don't think there's anybody close to him right now in the American League. I, I mean, I haven't done the numbers, but I think he's, he's in a real good spot. All right. Well, we'll look forward to uh, talking about uh, the weekend series when we get back with you on Monday here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast. <laughs>